0: Hi there, this is the PowerPoint Tribe, where our vibe is faith and our food is the word. Prepare to be strengthened and encouraged through the teachings of God's word and the ministry of the spirit.
1: you hear me better now? Loud and clear. Oh, great, great, great. Okay. Amen and amen. Mm -hmm. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you. Thank you so much, Allah, for the the warm welcome. Um, I'd like to get another thought um, from one of us, anyone who would be kind enough to give us a feedback on what he or she learned last week from the Bible study. And then we can go right along into what the Lord would have us examine today. Anyone would like to share, you can um, indicate on the chat room and then I'll call you out to speak. All right. So you would have to speak. (laughs) Uh, sometimes we get too used to hearing Jala Charles and the pastors speak on this platform. Amen. Mr. Linko says he missed last week's message. It's it's on our SoundCloud platform, so you can as well, um, so you can as well check it out on that platform and listen to it again. Amen. Anyone who wants to share with us what they learned. Not just by chatting, you you'd speak into the mic. We'll all hear your voice, and we'll get a sense of what you're saying. Anyone like that? Anyone? Just kindly indicate so that Jala can unmute you, and then you can encourage our hearts with what you learned, because it's important that we we do not let spiritual things slip away. Okay, the Bible says it is important for us to take the more. Earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest at any time, all right, lest at any time we let them sleep. So, spiritual things can be slippery, and that's why a lot of times we create a sequential and systematic mode of delivery of these teachings so that we can be grounded in this truth and so that we can remind ourselves every once in a while what we are learning. Anyone like that, please? If nobody um you know speaks so I would have to call one person to speak and I I hope you'll be ready. Okay. Anyone indicating yet? Okay great. Fajr wants to speak. Fantastic. Fajir so let's let's have you Fajir. So you like kindly unmute
0: Fajra. Very good evening everyone Good evening So Fajira. um I'm with I'm very well and you
1: i ca you, your voice is very low can you can you
0: can you uh, hear me now is no. it
1: better uh it's it's pretty low, but I think I can manage to hear you
0: okay right. so, so I said that I learned um mostly about how the, the nature of spiritual warfare in the sense that the devils only gain access to territory because of people's actions so it it showed me the um how curses and um, such generational things actually travel from one person to another and basically like they cannot demons cannot gain entrance unless somebody invites them with their actions so it was basically about power of actions and then i also took away the that you can be one of three things you can be a beneficiary, you can be a victim, or you can be a negotiator, which means a beneficiary you have to keep running to the pastor or you have to keep running to somebody to pray for you um, whenever something is happening or, you know, just to keep um, putting out the fires. And then the victim, because um, the, the person keeps falling victim to the attacks, spiritual attacks, and does not do any or does not know how to do anything about it. And negotiator is the one that um, takes territories and it accepts their authority in Jesus Christ. So basically that's what I meant.
1: Thank you. Powerful, powerful. Thank you so much, Fedora. Very, very powerful. That was very important and uh, very clear. And And I would agree that those were the really high points in the teaching last week. Any other person wants to speak very briefly? If we do not have any other person, then we'll go right along. Any other person? Okay. Um, there, there's something I'd like to also share. Um, um, still in line with what I, what I shared last week, which is the fact that if you check the book of Acts, can we all still hear me? If you check the book of the book of Acts, chapter nineteen. You realize that the okay. I I've removed the earpiece. I had to use the earpiece to listen to Fejér because it was louder that way. But apparently, using the earpiece doesn't amplify my voice as much. Okay, so um, all right. Can you hear me better now? All right. Okay, so um, I was talking about how that. In Acts chapter 19, we see what happened in the city of Ephesus. How, you know, if you notice, right, the most dominant challenge in that entire place was demon possession. Okay. And these are things that you would realize when you read the book properly in context and with almost like an intuition, as if you're there. Okay. And then you're seeing what God is doing in that land through the word of God. And that's why it's very imperative for us to pay special attention to the word of God. Okay, that's the biggest immune system that you have against the attacks of the enemy. All right, so in Acts chapter 19, um Apollos, uh let me just see if I can do a quick run through. Um they got to Corinth and from Corinth to Ephesus and all of that. Um Then Paul met some disciples who didn't know anything about the baptism of the Holy Spirit except the baptism of John. And then he laid hands on them and began to prophesy and to speak with other tongues. And then he went into the synagogue, verse 8, and began to speak boldly for the space of three months, Mm -hmm. disputing. And that word is disputing. That is, he was literally arguing and they were not listening to him because the entire city was inundated with the influence of Diana, a demonic spirit. Okay uh um bible says persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God and then all of those things this divers were hardened and believed not but spake evil of that way before the multitude. So a lot of resistance as far as he was talking to the Jews in the synagogue was facing a lot of resistance. Alright, and you see a lot of resistance is engineered by demonic spirits, especially when it comes to resistance against the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says and it continued by the space of two years from verse nine talked about how he separated some disciples Unto himself, and they were disputing daily in the school of Tyrannus. And in the space of two years, all right, combined with the three months he was in synagogues and stuff. So, in the space of 20, half years, quote unquote, um, the word of God, Bible says, began to grow exceedingly, and the people of Asia, all right, began to hear about this word. And his Bible says special miracles were wrought by the hands of Paul. Verse 12 says that so that the body. From his body were brought to uh, brought unto the sick handkerchiefs and aprons, and diseases departed from them, and evil spirits went out of them. And Bible talks about how that certain vagabond Jews exorcists exorcists are the fake version of you know believers who can cast out devils because, like I said last week, exorcists just transfer devils; they don't cast them out. All right, it's a a demonic way of removing demons. (laughs) All right, from a place. So they were exorcists, and they took upon themselves. To call over them which had evil spirits the name of the Lord Jesus, saying, We are you by Jesus
2: Christ, whom Paul preaches. Now you would notice that for them to be able to do this type of miracle or to at least try to simulate the activities of Paul, it must have been a dominant thing that Paul did almost everywhere he went. Our Bible talks about how he healed. And then dominantly, he also casted out a lot of evil spirits. Because in the city of Ephesus, a lot of people were demon-possessed. They were so demon-possessed that you didn't have to look so far. You will see a demon-possessed person. And so Paul was almost always casting out devils everywhere. To such a degree that it became a popular thing how he used to cast them out. So they realized that he used to cast them out by what? Saying in the name of Jesus... Get out of this person. So they, they, they wanted to simulate the same experience and then they went to some, some unkind demon spirit and they wanted to replicate the same effect on those guys. And then that particular demon spirit, all right, or the particular demon possessed person who had perhaps more than one demon in him, leaped on them. And Bible says seven of them were left wounded and naked. And Bible says in verse 15, and the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know, Paul I know, but who are you? And the man in whom the evil spirit spirit was, leaped on them and overcame them and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. So you can see the 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 magnitude of influence that the demon spirit called Diana had in the city of Ephesus was such a huge influence that the economy was already influenced by diana the economy of ephesus was already dominated Mm -hmm. by diana that is the most powerful the richest the most influential people in the land of ephesus were people who were either making the gods you know the the golden image or whatever calf that they were using to worship this guy or worship this god all right or the people who were distributing it or the people who were retailing it literally the entire economy of Ephesus was centered around Diana to such a de- degree that Paul became not only a threat to a certain industry, it became a threat to the economy of a whole town, a whole city. Not just an industry, not just the you know Diana making you know um, craftsmen. No, the entire economy was woven around Diana. Diana had completely dominated the entire atmosphere, the economy, the education, the government, the politics, the, the Pharisees, every single person was under the influence of Diana to such a degree that the clerk of the temple was already telling them that, guys, there is nothing anybody can do against Diana. Diana is the god of this land. These guys literally give themselves over to a demonic spirit and allow the demonic spirit to run the show. They allow the demonic spirit run the show because they didn't even know that they were permitting the demonic spirit to gain access into their land through their activities. There gets to a time when a demon possesses a man, quote-unquote, through the undoing of that man, and it gets to a time after a while that the man becomes extremely comfortable with the benefits that this demon brings along with itself. Sometimes the demon comes with some extra knowledge in, you know, fortune-telling, or he begins to see things to come before they come. Or, you know, it begins to just no stuff, And then you begin to get comfortable with the idea of this particular demon inhabiting your vessel to such sort of a degree that you are the one protecting the demon from being cast out. Even when somebody is coming with a superior power to cast out that devil, if you do not allow that devil to be casted out, that is, your will is still such a huge factor in the casting out of a devil in a person's life, that is, if that person still wants the demon to stay at a bite, there is nothing anybody can do in getting that demon out and so for 20 years paul kept disputing persuading and teaching the the gospel and the people who was teaching glory to god they opened their heart the word of god came evicted the demons that may have been in and around them because their levels of influence as well when it comes to demon possession you can be possessed that is a degree and you can also be influenced you can be influenced and not necessarily possessed and so the truth is a lot of people in ephesus were most likely influenced even though a lot of other people were also possessed. Now, this is not the emphasis of my conversation today, but I just wanted us to you know pay some attention to what happened in Acts chapter 19. It was such a, a an infested city, and it started with people just giving themselves over to a demonic spirit. They were making money, they, they made merchandise of that, you know, Diana of a person, because Diana was probably not even a goddess, they just called it one, and a demon spirit entered into that office that was quote unquote created by men called diana hmm. so it's important that we pay attention to the things we allow to become superstitious among us a demon can hijack that kind of superstition and become a force a stronghold in that environment
1: amen okay um so let me just uh, let, let, let's let's go into what the lord would have us talk about today um I hope we learned something from there, uh, it would be good to just visit Acts 19 again. Just read it again and just see for yourself the things the Lord, you know, did in the, in the city of Ephesus. Thankfully, the Bible says, so mightily grew the word of God in the city of Ephesus, and that word prevailed. So God's word can prevail over any kind of demonic atmosphere that uh, we may find ourselves. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that as I teach your word, um, tonight, I ask that your word comes forth with utterance and with grace, and it inspires, edifies, encourages every single person, under the sound of my voice, in the name of Jesus. I pray that everyone is blessed, edified, and strengthened. I pray that we lead the illuminated, enlightened, and encouraged by the power of the spoken word, in the name of Jesus. For in Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. Amen, and amen, and amen. Okay, praise God. So for the next... Um few minutes, I'll be sharing with you what I've titled Daily Warfare Tactics. All right, I'll try to take it easy today. <laughs> okay, but um, I'm sure by God's grace, um, the Holy Spirit will still do what he alone can do. Daily Warfare Tactics. What do I mean by that? And so the, the, the first thing I'd like to establish is the fact that the devil doesn't go on vacation. Okay, the enemy doesn't go on vacation. The devil doesn't have leave days. He doesn't have, you know, vacation days. He doesn't have rest days is a restless spirit and every single demon under his watch are as restless as he is all right they go to and fro the earth and when they get to toe they come back to fro when they get to fro they go back to. they keep doing
2: that every single minute of their existence they have no rest it's a restless spirit that is in the devil and that is exactly what is also operational in every of his demons that means that demons and the devil have no breaks. There, is, there are no off days. You need to understand that there are no off days. And so the warfare that the believer is in isn't one that has a specific duration. That is, okay, after a season, then the war comes to an end. No, it's a war that never ends until Jesus comes back to the earth and then locks the devil and all his courts in the lake of fire. Until then, the war is still on. I need to have that sense of disposition, that battle ready, you know, confidence when you operate in this earth, when you navigate the terrestrial, when you navigate the supernatural realm, you know, and bring the kingdom of God to bear on the face of the earth. And so it is important that you understand that the devil doesn't go on breaks. And because the
1: devil doesn't have the body of a human being, he, he, he doesn't get tired in that sense. He doesn't he doesn't get weak. He doesn't get weary, he doesn't Fall sick,
2: he doesn't die. (laughs) These are demonic spirits, these are demonic components Mm -hmm. of demonic spirits. And so you need to understand that. You see, understanding the adversary sometimes gives you some intelligence as to how to properly align your weapons to forestall any form of attack. Okay, so this is why the believer must resist the devil because the devil doesn't go on break. And that's why Hebrews 11 verse 34 tells us that we must learn to turn to flight the armies of the aliens. We must learn to turn to flight the armies of the aliens. The devil doesn't just come at you with one demon. He comes at you with his droves as much as he knows he possibly needs to deploy just to get your defenses down and so just as much as the devil is insistent and focused on attacking you Mm -hmm. you must also be just as grounded and confident in the armor of god that you have at your disposal to resist the onslaught of the devil and like we said last week, are you are you a beneficiary, a victim, or a negotiator? I would believe by God's grace that after last week's teaching, we all became more negotiators, all right, in the realm of the spirit, rather than just victims or beneficiaries. This is why the believer must resist the devil, steadfast in faith. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 begins to talk about that. What that means is that there are no breaks, no off days, no downtimes. have got to be on fire at all times the idea of an off day is alien to the disposition of a battle ready comrade you cannot afford to say well i'm just having you know just a little bit of a a cool off you don't cool off on the battlefield you don't cool off there is no such thing as that bible talks about this in matthew 4 mark 4 luke 4 talking about the temptation of jesus and then it's very instructive what we see in luke chapter 4 verse 13 bible says that the devil left jesus for another opportune time that is he left for a season waiting for another opportune time so does it mean the time that the devil is not attacking right? It doesn't mean he's not working. He's working. He's waiting for an opportune time. He's waiting for you to sleep up. He's waiting for you to mess up. He's waiting for you to act wrong. He's waiting for you to speak wrong. He's waiting for you to do something that will help him capitalize on something you have done so that he can accuse the brethren. That's his primary portfolio. He's the accuser of the brethren. And that's why it's important that we do not have up days. That is, every single day we're on fire because he doesn't, it takes only one day for the devil to attack a man. And the reason why he can attack in one day is because he's been observing for all those several days. He's able to attack in one day because he's been observing every day. If he's not observing every day, that one day that is an off day will not be so fruitful for him because he probably would have missed it. He doesn't miss such fruitful quote unquote moments to attack because he's always observing, he's always watching, he's always looking, he's always waiting for an opportunity. So he tried to attack the Jesus, you know, after 40 days of fasting and prayer in the garden or rather in the wilderness. And then 40 days after, Jesus is tempted by the devil, Jesus overcomes, and he doesn't just leave Jesus. He waits for another opportune time. It is imperative we understand this. So Jesus doesn't go on vacation, Jesus doesn't go on an off day, he doesn't have a break saying, well, the devil has left him for a season, let me also rest. The moment he rests, the devil returns. That's the protocol. You can't afford to just let your, your, your legs and your feet off the gas, off the steam. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I hope we're still together. Amen. So these principalities and powers do not have an anatomy of human beings. They don't get tired. They don't get hungry. They don't get sick. They don't die. Their their primary goal is one. Attack believers as many as you can find. Get them to lose their power. Get them to lose their identity. Get them to lose their authority in Christ Jesus. Get them to become weaklings. That's your mandate. Every demon spirit out there is outside to get every single believer down. Get them weakened. And that's why it is imperative we don't give them that chance. It is important that you are not ignorant of the devices of the devil. Bible says be sober. That means one of the things that you would need on this battlefield is soberness, sobriety. You must be alert at all times. It says be sober. Do not lose your mind. Don't get under the influence of the doctrines of this world, the philosophies of this world, social media to such a degree that you become intoxicated with the rantings and the ravings. Of this world that you lose sight that you are actually in a battle you will be getting a house getting a car getting married having babies but you must never lose sight of the fact that this is not your home you are on a battlefield do not get it twisted guys you are on a battlefield be sober at all times be sober you have to have the vigilance of a comrade of a soldier be sober be vigilant because your adversary the devil is not going on vacation He's as a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour first peter five 8 and 9, he says, seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in faith. You resist him steadfast in faith. You don't resist him only one time and say, well, it is done. You resist him steadfast. You just never stop resisting him. That's the protocol of faith. You just keep resisting him steadfast in faith. And again, we see this phrase coming in again. Knowing, knowing, not feeling, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in the brethren that are in the world. Amen hallelujah and so it is imperative that you're sober ask your neighbor are you sober and i'm not asking if you drank last night i'm not asking if you took you know three three but you know what are you sober in the realm of the spirit are you sober ask your e-neighbor are you sober praise god are you sober You've got to be sober. You've got to be in control of your range. You've got to be sensitive to atmospheres. You've got to understand what the devil is capable of doing per time, else you will not know when the devil gets you. You will not even notice that he's cracking on you already. You will even notice it. Are you sober? Very important for us to understand this. In all of the devil's attacks, his primary target is your heart. Wow, this is important for you to understand, that the, the, the target of the devil is not your money, it's not the blessings in your life, it is your heart, it is your heart, it is your heart. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 3, Bible says, For consider him that endures such contradictions of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your mind. And so the battlefield really is in the mind, the battlefield really is in the mind. That's why we must be sober and vigilant. The devil wants to attack your mind, and that's why you must ensure your mind's priciest possession must not be a thing, must not be a person that is on this terrestrial earth. Your priciest, most most valuable, your most worth, you know, wild possession on earth must be God and knowing him. That must be your ultimate desire, goal, and passion in this world, because that is what guarantees that your heart cannot be penetrated by the devil. That's what guarantees it. Because guess what? If he knows that there is something you magnify above the knowledge of God in your life, there is something your heart is anchored to. Once he he attacks that thing that your heart is anchored to, your heart also becomes a victim of that attack. Because now your heart is already attached to that which can be shaken. And that's why it is imperative. We must not put our faith, our trust, our, you know, Our our, our goals and our passions and our ambitions are things that are fleeting, things that are temporal, things that will not last forever. No matter how powerful those things are, no matter how beautiful they are, they do not have the capacity to be eternal. And that is why they don't have the capacity to handle the weight of our trust because your trust is weighty whatever you place your trust on that is not God will come crashing down because your trust is that weighty once you carry your trust and you place it on something that does not have the capacity To hold on to the trust of man, that thing will continue to crumble and crash down until you see the end of that thing. That's why the moment you start trusting a man, a man that actually was trustworthy before, begins to misbehave. He begins to lose that trustworthiness because you place your trust on him. You put too much pressure of performance on him. Nobody has that capacity to fulfill all the desires of your heart like God can. He's the only one that can accommodate your trust and still be God. No other person can, and that's why it's imperative you don't faint in your mind. You do not keep looking at the the signs of the times. You do not keep looking at the things on the outside to anchor your faith, to anchor your trust, to anchor your belief system on. And there are people right now, they are so fixated on the realities in Nigeria, and that is why their hearts are fainting. That is why the devil is attacking them with depression, because their hearts are so fixated on things that cannot last, things that can be shaken be sober understand be vigilant you've got to be smart on the battlefield you cannot afford to be slacking you cannot afford to be a novice you cannot afford to be someone who is a rookie on the battlefield the best you can be is a beneficiary yes intercession can cover for you but you won't be able to negotiate on your own terms and if you leave that that fold the devil just makes you an easy target because you're not a negotiator all by yourself be sober be vigilant grow into that ammo be able to legislate on your own terms Praise the name of the Lord. Every attack, every temptation is designed by the devil to make the believer fall into sin. To make the believer fall short of the glory of God. And every trial is an opportunity. We talked about this extensively on Sunday. Every trial is an opportunity set up by God to perfect the believer, to correct the believer, to grow the believer, to perfect the believer, to mature the believer. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah forever. I hope we're still following. So in the next 30 minutes, I'll be sharing with us, because um, I'd like us to be very pragmatic here. These are the things that the Lord has laid in my heart that I believe will be so, so, so helpful and profoundly useful in your Christian experience. Five daily warfare tactics. That is why it has to be daily. The reason why it has to be daily is because the devil doesn't go on vacation. So you cannot afford to be keeping your warfare tactics for a time of battle. You are already in a time of battle. Right now is the time of battle. Don't think that there is a season for battle. Every day is a battlefield. Every day is a battleground. Every day is a moment of war. You can't afford to be slacking. That's why it's a daily warfare. Number one daily warfare tactic. Quick repentance. Listen. Listen, there are some things that it is not process. It is not the Holy Spirit, it Is not God trying to subject you to a process, a season of endurance and patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. This is an attack from the devil. You must understand it, that it came as an accusation. The devil took advantage of a sin in your life and began to attack and war against you because of that sin in your life. And that is one of the biggest ways you can forestall such attacks is by quick repentance. Quick repentance. Let your heart be ever yielded and malleable to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Once you notice the disobedience in your heart, if you notice it, the moment you notice it, confess it, repent of it, and move on. You clear up the possibility of the devil taking advantage of a loophole. You clear it up the moment you repent. You clear it up the, the moment you repent. You, the moment you repent, you clear it up. Quick repentance is a major warfare tactic. Why do I know this? Ephesians chapter 4 from verse 26. The Bible begins to talk about how i be angry but sin not. So that All right, He says, be angry and sin not so that the sun will not come down on your wrath, right? And then the next verse he says, and give no room for the devil. It means that every unrepentant sin keeps opening the opportunity more and more for the devil to attack. Wow! He says, listen be angry and sin not because the moment you sin and you allow the the sun to come down on your wrath and the moment of sin in your life is getting longer in terms of a timeline. The devil is seeing an open door. You see, there is a limit to which you have not repented and the Holy Spirit will continue to defend against you know the attacks of the devil. Once it begins to get too long, the Bible says you're already opening a door. Once you open that door, the devil will come in because you open the door because you open the door so quick rep- and that's why i find grace teachings are very demonic and they have a way of affecting people's relationship with god that is how people will stop confessing their sins people will stop repenting when they do wrong because they believe that it's a finished work god has saved them eternally they have no right and no reason to repent whenever they do wrong whenever they think wrong whenever they act wrong and so they keep opening the door wide and wide open because the time keeps piling up. The time keeps piling The last time they confess the sin or repent, they don't even remember. And they remember every time they've sinned. Ever since the last time they remember the sins, but they don't remember ever repenting. That is why the devil keeps having inroads into their lives. Quick repentance is a tactic. Daily warfare tactic. Daily. This is why your actions are so powerful. The moment you act in a way that is contravening the code of conduct of the protocols of heaven, you need to understand what is required as repentance. Realign. Cause correction. Get back in line. Repent. Get back in line. Else you open the door for the invasion of darkness. You turn up yourself for the invasion of the aliens called the armies of the aliens. And once the armies of the aliens come, aliens are very incompatible with your body. Aliens are very incompatible with your business. Aliens are very incompatible with your marriage. You open up a door for every kind of evil to begin to fester. You open up a door. You open up a door. The Bible says where there is where there is envy and there is strife, there is confusion and every evil work. That means every evil work, including cancer, including sicknesses, including diseases, including the destruction of a business, including the death of a loved one, every evil work can start with jealousy in your heart can you imagine how powerful it is this is james chapter 3 i believe verse 16 He says where there's envy and there's strife it says confusion will be there and if there's confusion there every kind of evil can begin to metastasize and it begins to spread across the entire place because you started with strife you continue into jealousy and then you began to graduate into envy and then boom you Open the door for confusion and every evil work. Quick repentance. If you just notice that jealousy in your heart, you check that Instagram post, you wish you were like that person, and you wish that person had that blessing. You wish you were the one on on the other side of that image, you know, looking good and having thousands of followers. Jealousy is already lurking in your heart. Jealousy, envy, strife, competition. These things, Bible says, can open up a door. Wow. For confusion and every evil work. Quick repentance is a daily warfare tactic. Tag your neighbor. Say repent quick. Repent quick. Repent quick. Repent quick. Repent quick. Quick repentance. Because it says, listen, if you allow the sun come down on your wrath, the Bible says you are opening the door. That is why he put a timeline there. He put a timeline there. Be angry but sin not. And do not let the sun come down on your wrath and give no room. Give no foothold. The moment the devil has a foothold, oh boy, he can get the whole territory just from a foothold. Don't give him a foothold. Praise the name of the Lord. Number two, daily worship and thanksgiving. Psalms chapter 8 and verse 2. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, you have ordained strength. Psalms chapter 8 and verse 2. Matthew, I believe 21, talks about how that out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, you have perfected praise. You see, so perfected praise is ordained strength. Perfected praise is ordained strength. Perfected praise is ordained strength. One of the, those days I was on campus, I was on a bike, so I was just on a bike. And the moment, you know, the Holy Spirit just reminded me, he says, give thanks for your limbs right now. Glorify God over your limbs. Thank him for your limbs, your legs, your hands, that you can move, you can walk without any aid. Give thanks, give thanks. Right? It was as if there was such an urgency in the realm of the. Give thanks right now, give thanks. And I just began to give thanks right on the bike. I raised my hand and I just began to give thanks. The next day I had an accident on the bike. The next day. It was the next day I had an accident on the bike going to my uh, fiancé's um, apartment. Now my wife, praise God. I was going to an apartment and we had an accident on if an expressway and for about seven minutes while that accident happened, not a single car passed on the busiest road in Ife. Not a single car. It was one of the most remarkable things that happened to me on campus. Not a single car passed. Everyone who went to Ife knows Ife Badon. This is not um, the other side of the road. This is Ife on the express that leads straight to Lagos. This road is always busy. We had an accident. We were spinning on the road for several meters on the, just spinning there. And then we're still trying to get our orientation, stand up from the bike and know what was going on. If Any cowards, just one cow was enough, it would have written us off, all of us, both of us, myself and the the black man. And then the Holy Spirit reminded me. He says, do you remember what I told you to do yesterday? You give thanks for your limbs. One of your limbs would have been gone by now if you had not given thanks. If you had not given thanks. Because the next verse says, to steal the enemy me and the avenger to steal to silence the enemy and the avenger you give thanks you give thanks every day you give thanks daily worship and thanksgiving that is how to steal the enemy you silence the enemy and the avenger you silence him you silence him there is a concept in the old testament called the concept of the avenger that the avenger was a mysterious guy every time you did wrong let's say you killed a man in the booth nobody noticed and nobody came looking for you and you just leave you Think, listen, the avenger is the justice system of God, set up by God. So the avenger notices it. The aven- nothing misses the query of the avenger. Nothing misses the schedule of the agenda. Nothing misses the accountability of the agenda. Once anybody passes, Anyone who dies, the avenger notice, notices the person who died and the person who kills the person who died. And so the only thing that can save you is if you run into a priest or you run into the temple and you stay there for a period for about one year, and then the priest performs some oblations and some you know sacrifices on you, and then the aven- it's a very elaborate process. So the avenger was a process that balanced the scale of justice and equity in the system. <laughs> very interesting. And so the Bible says thanksgiving as a way, supernatural way of stealing the enemy and the avenger. That means even the things that you deserve, the punishments you deserve, you've done something wrong in the past, the punishment you deserve, The adventure is lurking over your head. He says, once you begin to give thanks, once you begin to give thanks, once you begin to worship, you are stealing the enemy. You are silencing the adventure. Because Thanksgiving is a prophetic signal of the finished deal. It's a a prophetic signal that this thing is finished. This thing is already done. The Bible talks about this in... In Acts chapter 2, how that the people began to speak in tongues, and everybody heard in their own language the finished works of God, the glorious works of God, the marvelous works of God. You see, that is how you give thanks. You give thanks for saying what has been finished, what has been done, the judgment has been passed, the sentence has been given. So you cannot come and avenge anything that the Holy Ghost and the, the blood of Jesus Christ through his eternal spirit offered without spot unto God that has cleansed my conscience from dead works so I can serve the living God. You cannot come back. And come and be punishing me for a sin That the Jesus Christ and his blood has forgiven me of praise the name of the Lord That is why you give thanks every day For the finished works of Jesus Christ On the cross of Calvary You keep giving thanks You keep giving thanks You keep worshiping God As you do that you are silencing the enemy You are silencing the accuser over your life You are silencing the accuser over your family You are silencing the accuser and the avenger So powerful Daily worship and thanksgiving daily wash one things silences the devil because it legislates and appropriates the judgment of God. So thanksgiving is a judgment time. It's a judgment call. Every time you give thanks, you are judging. You are judging. You are saying, oh, glory to God. God has passed the judgment. Glory to God. I'm not condemned. Glory to God. I'm saved. I'm redeemed. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. All my sins are forgiven. The avenger cannot come for me no more because I'm justified by Christ. I'm justified by faith. I have peace with god glory to god i stand in this grace by faith glory, and i rejoice with john speakable full of glory and you begin to give thanks i begin to give thanks you are silencing the devil because perfected praise is ordained strength against the devil we need to move on verse chapter uh, number three the bible talks about uh um, not the bible man number three points it says look for people to pray for and encourage on a daily basis is powerful. Look for people to pray for and to encourage on a daily basis. Uh, Number one, quick repentance. Number two, daily worship and thanksgiving. Number three, look for people to pray for and encourage on a daily basis. When we give grace, we receive more grace. When we give grace, we receive more grace. Make it a habit to pray for other people, give to other people, encourage other people. When you do that, you give grace and in the same breath, you receive grace. Don't be critical of people going through bad times, don't be critical of people who are going through scandals. Don't be critical of people who are, who are, whose mistakes have become public. Don't be critical. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1, Bible says, if any man is overtaken in a fault, let those who are spiritual, in the spirit of meekness, restore such a one, considering themselves. So the reason why you must be meek when it comes to getting people. Oh, Don cannot hear me. Can you hear me now, Don? All right. The reason why you need to be meek and considerate and humble and very kind and gracious when it comes to restoring people who have messed up, people in scandals, people whose mistakes have become public, is because of yourself. It's just considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Lest you also be tempted. One of the things the Lord hates the most is when you gloat over other people's crisis. Don't gloat when other people are going through rough times. No matter how much you think they do, it's justified for that person to be going through such a hard time listen you are not more righteous it is christ that makes you righteous don't get into that gloating mode when you begin to get proud when you begin to get very pompous and you begin to assume that you are better than everybody else you must respond to people's mistakes in humility and meekness not in pride and arrogance you must respond in humility and, and meekness Obadiah oh, chapter 1 Obadiah oh, chapter 1 I can't go into all the details right now the bible says the major challenge that God had with the mountain of Esau the people of Esau, Edom, the, the, the challenge God had with them was that when Israel was being carried away, when they were being taken to Babylon, Edom was excited, Edom was getting excited like, thank God, you, you are finally receiving what you deserve, and they began to gloat, they had the opportunity to save some, but they refused to lend the helping hand, and they were just gloating in the fact that at least Jerusalem was not being captured, now they would know what it takes, what it, what it feels like for somebody's birthright to be taken. Yes, they probably felt vengeful, because Esau was the one that had the rightful, quote-unquote, um, appropriateness to have that birthright. But Jacob planted him and all of that, and so maybe they had a sense of entitlement, a sense of grudge, that these people don't deserve to have a land flowing with milk and honey. We are the ones that should be there. Now that Babylon has come to take them away, good for them. Don't be that way. Babylon says, Because of them i will restore israel and you you will be banished forever because upon mount Zion shall be deliverance and holiness and the house of jacob they will possess their possessions again but you will not get into that promised land and god rebuked them because they gloated when they ought to give grace are you the kind of person that when you read things on social media about people who have gone to be with the lord or people who have passed you know say people who you probably think were bad and all that give grace you can judge things, but don't judge people. You can judge all things. You can judge the wrongness or the rightness of the thing, but don't get into that habit of judging people. and say this person is bad. This person is good. This pe- so who are you? The arbitrator of the world? You can judge all things, but don't get into that business of judging people. Always give grace, because you can be at the receiving end of that grace. Only blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. If you don't give mercy, you will not receive mercy. It's scriptural protocol. You must be willing to give mercy. Number four, number four, number four, number four, number four, pray in the spirit. Pray in the spirit. See it as a spiritual fumigation. See it as spiritual fumigation. Pray in the spirit every day. Don't have moments of prayer. Listen, this is how I run my life. Maybe because there's so much going on with me. I work a job, I lead that business, and it's a lot, it's intense. I'm busy literally every day of the week. I work Monday to Monday. I don't have time for prayer. Every time is prayer. I don't have time for every time is Bible study. I I, I don't put a moment to it. Every moment it is. I don't have that secluded time. And I think it works. And this is not just an opinion. This is something that I believe works. So imagine you are not online. And God sent a message by 12 noon, but you're not online until 7 p.m. You're, that message has a seven hour time lag. By the time it drops, it may not be just as relevant as it was when God gave it, because you were not online at the time that He dropped that message. are just coming online by 7 pm because 7 pm is the only time you come online to receive inspiration from god that's your time of prayer that's your hour of, of, of prayer and vision so you you are there you are praying you're receiving word but that's the only time god has access to give you a word that's the only time god has access to speak to you because you are not open to him 24 7. you are not online 24 7. and even if he speaks a word to you seven hours before your real time it is that time you you plan to speak to him that you eventually speak to him God does not interrupt and cannot interrupt your day. It's not good prayer practice. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. Listen, there was a story in the book of is it Nehemiah now. Very powerful story. I love that story so much. How Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. And then, of course, he, his face was down. And the king noticed that he was having a very sad countenance because he had never been that way in front of The king before, and the king asked him, What is wrong with you? You've never been like this. And the Bible says, In that moment, Nehemiah prayed. Wow. Imagine I ask you a question, and in split seconds, you're able to pray. And in that moment, you respond with utterance. Because the moment I'm Nehemiah began to speak back to the king, he was responding with utterance. He was not speaking from his mind. He was not speaking from his intellect. He was not speaking from his opinion. He was speaking from utterance. By the time he was done speaking to the king, the king gave him every dimension of resource he needed to ensure that the, the walls of Jerusalem were rebuilt. Just because this man was willing to mix the spiritual into every dimension of his life, he didn't say, wait, give me five hours. Let me go to my time of prayer. Let me pray at a certain time, then come back to you. Right there, he prayed. Right there, he got utterance. Right there, he spoke under the influence of the Holy Ghost. Imagine if, he, if he's the kind of person that only speaks by 7 p.m. He couldn't possibly receive that utterance at that time. And that was the open period. That was the window period for that man to receive utterance and release resources in his direction. But then, he didn't receive utterance that time. He went to receive utterance by 7 p.m., whereas the window has, has closed. Because if you come back with utterance the next day, the man is no longer willing to give you the resources. There are things that are tied to time. And so you've got to be very consistent and sensitive. You are driving, praying in the spirit. Everywhere you go, just make it a habit. Fumigate your environment. You become more sensitive that way. You are able to discern the times that way. You're able to see things quicker. You're able to discern and legislate better because you are praying in the spirit. These are all daily tactics. Daily things you must be doing daily on a regular basis repentance daily worship and thanksgiving look for people to pray for encourage and give grace to number four pray in the spirit so powerful do not restrict your prayer time to a time or to a place stay online no lack time stay online every time stay online spiritually every single moment the holy ghost can speak to you be willing to receive it back at nccf Calabar. I had a in Ife, so I left from Calabar to Ife. and then 4.45, the
1: morning of my trip, the Holy Spirit wakes me up, and then he says I should start praying in the Spirit. I prayed for 45 minutes in the Spirit, and then I started praying for my, for my trip. I didn't understand what I prayed. I was just praying in the Spirit. I got into the vehicle. I still
2: didn't have a message for the people I was going to preach to. I still didn't know what I was going to share with them. I didn't know what I was going to speak to them. All right, so I just kept trusting. Well, what was God going to say? do you know i had an experience i've never had since then i've never had it again in the bus while i was heading to ife in the bus the holy spirit just down i've never had that experience before everything i was going to say i didn't meditate on it i didn't arrive at it i received it it was very different it was a very unique experience and by the time i received it it was a full message imagine you receive a full message that would normally take you about two three weeks to prepare put your thoughts together, you receive it in two seconds. Like, imagine that kind of process. Something you would normally go through, meditate, check through scriptures, go through, ruminate, all of those things that will take you a few weeks to get and arrive at that posture in the realm of the Spirit to deliver that message. You receive mm-hmm. it in two seconds because you receive the download, not necessarily a process of meditation. It just received the download. And the Holy Spirit told me He said, that is the interpretation of the things I prayed earlier that morning. I went for that meeting. I spoke exactly what I received in my spirit. Cancer was was, was healed in that meeting. Amazing things happened. Deaf ears was, was unstopped. It was remarkable what God did in that meeting. It was supernatural. How did it start? Praying in the spirit. Praying in the spirit can be converted into anything. It's a currency that you can convert. You can convert it to healing, convert it to revelation knowledge, convert it to utterance, convert anything. Praying in the spirit can be converted into it. It's a universal currency in the realm of the spirit. Learn to always pray. Into. It can be converted to strength. It can be converted to encouragement. It can be converted to comfort. It can be converted to long-suffering, endurance, joy. It can be converted to anything you need it to be converted to. Pray in the spirit often. It will help your spiritual life. It will help you to stay, you know, stronger, stay battle-ready, sober in the battlefield. Number five. Number five. Very powerful. Very, very powerful. Be generous, kind, and hospitable. These are things that many people don't pay attention to, but they are powerful tactics. This is the last one. Be generous, kind, and hospitable. Bible says Hebrews thirteen, Paul speaking. He says some have already entertained um, angels unawares by just being kind to strangers. How do you treat strangers? How do you treat people you do not know? How do you treat first timers that come to church? <laughs> How do you treat strangers? These things send signals into the heavenly realms. Be generous, kind and hospitable to people. Some people can never be stranded in their lives because of the many seeds of hospitality they have sown. They will never be stranded. Some of those people we have amongst us, P D and Pimo and one of them, they went to the UK. It was as if everybody was waiting for them in the UK because they've sown so many seeds. Anywhere they go, they can't be stranded. They are generous, kind and hospitable. Tolerant, accommodating, hospitable. Bible says you can have angelic encounters on the basis of kindness to strangers. Kind. This is important. Paul admonishes us to be kind to strangers because many have entertained angels unawares. You can fight spiritual battles with a seed. You can fight spiritual battles with a smile. You can fight spiritual battles with kindness. You can fight spiritual battles with meekness and tolerance. Wow. Cornelius would not have been visited by Peter as the first man to receive salvation in the Gentile community, except for his arms that were going up to God as a memorial, reminding God that I am somewhere here on earth. My arms are speaking for me. If you will ever consider the Gentiles, let me be the first. His arms were doing all of that speaking. The centurion would not have had audience with jesus because he was not jewish but he had built a synagogue for the jews therefore the jews became his arbiter they became his window man they became the ones to introduce him to jesus and he didn't go up jesus didn't tell the man oh this is food for children we can't give it to dogs jesus attended to him and even at that level bible says he had not seen that kind of faith before because this man demonstrated an unusual dimension of faith But it started with kindness. It started with generosity. It started with hospitality. It started with building a temple for the Jewish community. People he did not necessarily identify with, but he loved them. He cared about them because they had the capacity. docas's benevolence brokered resurrection for her. Dorcas was just being kind, giving clothes to widows, being kind to people, people that were helpless, gave them, and all of those things. Bible says she got resurrection in advance. She got resurrection from that sea she was sowing. So there are spiritual battles you will not have to fight if you are a kind person. I'm just telling you now. There are some things your children will never pray for just because you, you did the right thing. You were kind to people. My brother... I say this story a lot. I put it in one of my books as well. How that I went into school, I was just literally, and I used one victim deliberately. I became a victim of his benevolence. I became a victim of his goodness and kindness. Everybody wanted to be my school father. Everybody wanted to be my school mother. Not because of my own goodness, but because of the goodness of my own elder brother. Several years before I showed up, there are some prayer points that are because something was not done right before you, so you are waging war. Hi, there are some kinds of kindness and goodness and hospitality you will demonstrate. Angels will fight your battles when you
0: out. Oh
2: dear God! Kindness—it's a weapon of warfare.
0: Sir.
2: <laughs> it's a weapon of warfare. It's a weapon of warfare. It is important, sir rahab how did she get into the promised land how did she ensure that she was not destroyed with the others she was just kind to strangers from israel god sent strangers to go and spy the land rahab sensed it said this was there are people to be kind to we have heard of your of the terrible god you will save i don't want to be on the other side of this world. let me align with them and she began to become friendly and then hosted them when they came to search she hosted them in their inner roof and all of those things when they came back to inhabit that land rahab could not be evicted because you has sown seats in advance. There are some battles you cannot win without generosity. Isaiah chapter 58. Isaiah chapter 58. The Bible talks about the kind of fast that God expects us to fast. It's not the kind of fast that is ojoye, religiosity, and just keeping yourself on hunger strike. It is the kind of fast that impacts on those who have been treaded upon, on, on those that are poor, on those that are hungry. He says you must deal your bread to the hungry, you must deal your, your heart to the thirsty soul. He says that this is the ideal fast. I wish I could read it right now, but there's no time. There's no time. This is the name of the Lord. When you demonstrate this dimension of love, you dilute the wickedness in the world with your kindness and thereby judge on righteousness. Did you hear me? Whenever you demonstrate kindness at this level, you dilute the wickedness. Because the God of this world is called principalities of powers, rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. You dilute such wickedness with kindness. You dilute such wickedness with, with, with generosity. And every time you are kind and generous to people like that, the Bible says they will redound glory unto God. I'll just begin to say thank god for this person in my life thank god for this man i will not have had this job thank god for this man i will not have eaten dinner today thank god for this man ah my baby will not he will not be thank god thank, how many people are thanking god on your behalf these are arms they come up as a memorial god is not a babalawo <laughs> but the things you do have impacts on the corridors of heaven Hi, it is important with kindness and generosity you never have to watch your back wow because isaiah chapter 58 bible says the god of glory shall be your rare reward all this idea watch your back in this industry you have to keep watching your back how kind are you forget about watching your back the glory of god will be your rare reward it will be your rare guard. it will be your defense behind you you don't have to watch your back if you are somebody who is loving and kind to people you don't have to watch your back the glory of god is your back the glory of God is your defense. The glory of God is your reward. The glory of God is your rare God. Because the glory of God will be your rare God. It is your bulletproof that can never be contravened. It can never be threatened. Praise the name of the Lord. You partner with the anointing every time you relieve people of their yokes and their burdens. Isaiah chapter ten and verse twenty-seven. The Bible says that it shall come to pass in that day that the burden shall be lifted off your shoulders and his yoke off of your neck, for by the reason of the anointing, the yoke shall be broken. How many people are you relieving of their yokes and burdens? You see why the anointing increases just because they were kind to people. Once they begin to deal their bread to the hungry, once they begin to do good things, and they begin to heal, and they begin to teach, and they begin to mentor, and they begin to help people that are in need, and they begin to counsel, they begin to share their time with others, they begin to share their resources with others, they begin to share their money with others, and they relieve yokes and lift burdens, their anointing continues to increase. Because that's how you partner with the anointing. That's the role of the anointing, to remove yokes and burdens. So when a man... With the help of the Holy Spirit, has compassion on people and begins to relieve them of their yokes and burdens. The Holy Spirit increases the anointing of such a man. This is imperative for us to understand. These are daily warfare tactics. If you do these things, you will never stumble. Praise the name of the Lord. Number one, quick repentance. Number two, daily worship and thanksgiving. Number three, Look for people to pray for, encourage on a daily basis, and give grace to. Don't be quick to criticize people, give grace, pray for people. Don't be quick to just gloat over people's errors and mistakes. Respond in meekness and humility. Number four, pray in the spirit. Let's see it as a spiritual fumigation. And number five, be generous, kind, and hospitable. You win battles in advance with these five daily warfare tactics. I hope this blessed your heart. Like it blessed mine when the holy spirit was sharing them with me
1: thank you very much for having me tonight if you have any questions i'm still available if not let's just pray father in the name of jesus in the name father, of jesus, jesus. thank you. father for the word you shared with us
2: tonight i ask that every one of us under the sound of my voice is empowered and blessed and is established in this present truth in all righteousness in jesus name amen and amen wow
0: what a word for more messages connect with our tribesmen across all social media platforms at PowerPoint Tribe.